0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Every Arkansan Podcast. I'm Drew Davis, and this week we've got my friend Spring Hunter from the Conway Ministry Center. Hope you enjoy. Well, Spring, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up?
1: Well, um, I am mostly from Arkansas. Um, I, I was a traveling kid and spent quite a bit of time out on the West Coast um, in Oregon and did a stint in Montana for a little bit, but mostly from Arkansas. Um, that was home to us. Um, I currently live in Conway, Arkansas and um, got a husband and I have four kids at home ranging from three-year-old twins up to one that just turned 16 and is still learning to drive. And so,
0: when yeah, we got a lot going on. Your husband's in med school, he too. He is. So He's it's in medical
1: school. He's here in Little Rock at UAMS <laughs> um, most of his days, and so, yeah, we, we got a little bit going on. So, yeah.
0: A lot going on. Yeah. So. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing, because I think that's a very important part of your story in particular. Yeah,
1: so um, that was just kind of um, chaos, mostly. Um, I come from pretty deep rural poverty, um, which looks different than urban poverty. I'm pretty different. Um, And so just kind of on both sides of the family, um, generational poverty, addiction, just relational dysfunction, abuse and Um, just, just some pretty crazy stuff. Um, and so my parents divorced real early on because of all the things that they both brought into their marriage. And that just kind of threw my single mom with four kids, um, into kind of a spiral where we just traveled and we ran from man to man, town to town and, and tried to come up with a new plan. And sometimes we were homeless for a season and living in cars and tents and, would come back to Arkansas and kind of land at my grandmother's house, who was probably oh. more stable. Um, and, and just did that for years. And um, I left home at 13. Um, I decided that I just had kind of had enough of that and, mm-hmm. and would go off and um, stayed with friends or whoever would take me in, which is a, a rough phase for mm-hmm. me. Because um, in rural Arkansas, a lot of the people that would take me in, that was not a good situation. Um, went through just some some pretty traumatizing years of just kind of being used and abused and introduced to drugs and alcohol and all the things that come with that life and um, headed down a real rough path um, in my early teenage years. And and then from there, really, um, God just intervened. You know, I mean, I can look back and point to people Mm -hmm. that God just sent into my life to just introduce me to Christ in this way or friends, parents that, that would like pull me aside and and speak some truth to me. Um, and really when I was 19 years old, it was a boss. Um, you know, she didn't introduce me to Christ just, um, right out of the shoots. It was more like a mentoring relationship, just speaking life into me and encouraging Mm -hmm. me and saying, Hey, you can do better than this. You're better than this. Um, I'll help you get up if you want to get up and just poured into me and believed in me. And as a part of that, begin to share God with me and pray with me and like developed Mm -hmm. out of that. And, um, and through that process, I, I did turn my life over to Christ. And was just like, okay, I'm just a mess. Like (laughs) if God doesn't intervene, this isn't going to end well for spring. I had had some friends that had overdosed and committed suicide and, um, just that part of my life was just imploding. Um, I had a baby at 15, um, that was my first kid. And, um, so, so she intervened in my life in a pretty, pretty powerful way. And then I can just clearly see like God continued to send people that mentored and taught life skills and, and just introduced me to a different life that I had never been exposed to. Um, and that pretty radically started transformation (laughs) process for me.
0: Yeah. How'd you end up in Conway out of all of that then?
1: Yeah. So, um, so that was in Johnson County, um, where all of that happened. And, um, so I ended up in Conway, um, after several years of just being involved in ministry there. So in, in Clarksville, um, I worked in a recovery ministry. I, I worked in like a mobile soup kitchen where we brought food out into the County to deep pockets of poverty and stuff. And, um, we moved to Conway because my husband was going to start medical school and, um, and that was interesting because I I knew that we were supposed to be coming to Conway. I knew that God had a plan for Charlie. I knew that we were on the right path for him. But I just had no idea why I was coming to Conway. And I <laughs> mourned the loss of just ministry. Like, we we left it, and it kept going, and there were people that carried that torch from there. But, like, I had no idea why I was in Conway. And, um we stumbled into um, uh, Second Baptist Church um, one morning, just kind of in our jumping from church to church, mm-hmm. trying to figure out where we wanted to land, you know. And um, they were sharing about this this building that they were getting ready to leave, and they had they had built a, a new campus over um, very close to UCA, and they were going to turn this building into a mission in the heart of Conway, and. Um, and they didn't know what it was gonna be yet, but they knew that they wanted to reach into to the lives of hurting people. And they were looking for like a few good men and women that had <laughs> some vision and wanted to carry it. And um, I really just heard the Lord speak to me and say like, you know, for such a time as this, I have prepared you for this your whole life. Go share your story with them. So I did, um, I went and shared my story with um, this fella named Greg Pillow, who was kind of heading up um, a think tank. They called it a think tank. Mm-hmm. We're trying to figure out what this thing was going to be. And I just shared my story with him and said, I don't know what my role is here, but um, you're going to be seeing a lot of me because I really feel like the Lord's calling me to this. And a couple of weeks later, he called me back and said, yeah, we, we think we're supposed to hire you. We think you have a vision for this. And so thus began my journey with the ministry center, really.
0: So um, tell us a little bit about the ministry center. And I mean, just to put it perspective from someone who grew up in old Conway. Greg Pillow's dad was the pastor at Second for years.
1: Forever, I and think. And dreamt,
0: yeah. as long as I can remember, of that facility eventually becoming what it is now.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So um, so we hung our shingle and we launched really kind of in response to that um, that second tornado that went through Mayflower and mm-hmm. Valonia in 2014. And, um, and so we just kind of started in response to a need and just kept going. Um, So we are five and a half years in and um, man, God has just (laughs) exploded on that campus. Um, Currently right now, our vision for being there is just, to be a meeting place, a con- a connecting place. So what we found through the tornadoes, and then God has just continued to reinforce it throughout the process, is that there is just this group of hurting, suffering, struggling families in crisis. Um, our homeless population in Conway is in the process of exploding. I don't know what's happening exactly, <laughs> but it is, it is for real an issue and, and a growing issue. Um, and so there's this whole group of people that are just hurting and struggling in Conway. And then Conway has resources, a lot of them. Um, and and so there's this other group of people that have these resources and they have skills and they have um, funds and they have really amazing programs that can come alongside of this group of hurting people. And then there's this group of people the body of Christ that just want to serve and connect and mentor and disciple Mm -hmm. and love on people. But those worlds are kind of in pockets (laughs) in Conway and they don't often overlap. And what we are called to is just to be a place where all those worlds collide. And so the people that have the resources and the people that want to invest in people personally invest in them and the people that need it the most they all collide in this place and it's just a beautiful thing um so currently we have four programs that we run um our kind of our cornerstone program that everything else has developed out of is is case management um we do financial assistance and we we do like some tangible intervention as far as rent and utilities and auto repair and you know, there's not a whole lot that we won't consider helping with <laughs> if it's within your case plan and it makes mm-hmm. sense that this is the highest and best way to help you. Um so so that's just the ongoing pillar that never stops. Um out of that, we've discovered that um we have not been able to open a homeless shelter on that property yet. Um but there is just a group of people that are homeless that have a consistent income. They are working. Mm-hmm. They're this close to being stable. And they just need that extra help to get over the hump. So we launched a rapid rehousing program and that has just been unbelievably successful because that's just a a group of people that are so close that they just need somebody to help them Mm -hmm. um and so that has actually had like a 95 percent success rate which is just blowing us away those people are still housed a year later and 18 months later and so um so that's one of our pillar programs now and then we have a client choice food pantry where people come and shop for food Mm -hmm. and hygiene and diapers and Um, the things that they need and um, there is a life skills aspect to that we try to bring in teaching opportunities for meal planning and budgeting and um, and we're starting to introduce some medical like preventative care Mm -hmm. measures with flu shots and pneumonia shots and um, blood sugar testing and just some different things to help from a preventative measure Um, and so that runs year round. And then kind of our other piece that, um, I believe that the Lord's building into a permanent homeless shelter, um, about two and a half months out of the year, we run Conway's winter warming station. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've built on that. We've, we've coupled that with some real specific case management to that homeless pocket that's with us for two and a half months. Um, and, and this past winter, um, we housed 170 folks that stayed with us. We had children with us almost every day that we were open. Um, and so we believe that the Lord's leading out of that to, to get a permanent shelter in Conway.
0: So h- how is that having experienced that yourself as a child, seeing these moms coming in, um, with their children? What, I mean,
1: um, so from my personal experience of being a homeless child, I can tell you, um, I never cease to be amazed at the strength and the resilience of children and how they, they can come back from that. I also know that there's some deep seated trauma in there that, um, that's just another opportunity. Like you're if, if you're operating a homeless shelter or you're working with homeless families, you need to be pouring into those parents, but you better be pouring into those children mm. because there's just trauma that comes from not having that stability. But the resilience and the ability for children to bounce back and be healthy once they're poured into is just amazing to me. Um, so I think, I think that's probably the biggest piece um, for me personally is is just understanding that you're not just working with homeless adults, and these kids are kind of being drugged along. You better have programming that's aimed <laughs> at children and helping them recover and helping them build life skills, um, even at preschool age. What are you doing to help this preschooler feel safe and secure and know that things are going to be okay and mm-hmm. feel that stability, even if mom has no sense of stability? Right. You know, what are you doing to pour into both generations?
0: So. so what, I mean, what is a typical family look like that's experiencing that? What's caused it? What's, what's going on there?
1: So, um, first of all, I just feel like there's no typical. Um, I, I think that, um, Conway is a, is a little bit of a special hybrid because we are, are becoming more urban um conway's growing a lot we've got a lot of new construction a lot of new people coming to conway as a suburb of little rock so we have this growth that is making us feel like we're becoming more of an urban area um but because we are um kind of new urban and we are bordering such rural counties, there is just this element of rural homelessness that looks very different. And so um, so typical is a, is a little bit um, of an anomaly for us right now. We're still figuring that out. We're actually in the process of doing a six-month study on our homeless population to understand what in the world is going on in Conway. What does this look like? What services do we need to plan for? Um, so that when we ever do launch a shelter, we're gonna have appropriate wraparound services that really take care of our specific Mm -hmm. hybrid of homelessness. Um, We, um, at our point in time study this year, we discovered um, that more than 50% of Faulkner County's homeless population are children. Um, We did not know that prior to this year. And that was like a slap in the face of, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like we aren't doing enough to plan for families we think we're going to open a shelter that has men's quarters and women's quarters and a couple of family rooms. And that has just rewritten Mm -hmm. the whole, um, model for us. How do we work with families that are experiencing homelessness this week? My, um, office manager came to me. Um, she's, you know, our frontline gal that answers the door, answers the phones. And my case manager, um, came to me just, Destroyed because in three days we had seven homeless families with children under the age of five, and there is nowhere for no. them to go. We called Little Rock. Little Rock's full. No. Um, and that is, that's not okay. That's uh, not okay to not have a place to. And
0: I think for women people don't when realize is the vast majority of the homeless nationwide are children. Mm uh-huh. hmm. Yeah. It's not the guy you see on the, yeah. the corner it's it's families and children and
1: which all I think kinds speaks of, to this whole argument of you know there anywhere you go there's going to be this like not in my backyard uh-huh. um, argument that goes on what is the most appropriate place for homelessness? where do we shelter people um, I think that that conversation is surrounding a much different mental picture of homelessness than what we're actually dealing with. Are you okay with homeless children being in your backyard? I mean. Because I I am. Yeah. I am. I mean.
0: And and honestly, my background, I grew up in Conway, but I worked in the investment industry in Little Rock. And when I would see a homeless guy, I would go to the other side of the street. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until about a decade ago when we kind of started doing what we're doing. I actually got to know a few of them.
1: Yeah. And it's
0: like. They're not all that bad. Yeah, I mean, they're just. I mean, like even you and the scary I mean, homeless yeah.
1: guy, like stop and listen to his story because no. he's not as scary as you think he is. Either. No, yeah.
0: they're they just one poor decision mm-hmm. took him a different path than what took me.
1: Or one major health event, yeah. or a really bad divorce, or I mean, as as different and individual as human beings are, it's mm-hmm. the same for our homeless population. I just you know. People ask me all the time, what's the number one cause of homelessness in Conway? I'm just like, man, <laughs> have some conversations. Have some conversations with people and find out.
0: So, so that's kind of y'all's long-term goal.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I know that one of the things in your story is really just coming into this without everything that it takes to do it. And, and I think that's yeah. a valid something that I think a lot of people really need to hear. Most of us that are doing this, my degree is in accounting. Mm-hmm. I don't have a clue what I'm doing a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I found smart people and good yeah. books and all that, yeah. but yeah. tell us a little bit about just how that's kind of. Been.
1: Um, so kind of as a part of my story, um, so I got pregnant at 15, mm-hmm. um, had a baby, dropped out of high school. Um, like everyone else in my family. I mean, dropped out of high school and you get a job at a truck stop and you, you go on, you know, you take care of your baby and, um, did not get an education, um, for many years. And, um, when I, when I met the boss, you know, when I, when I met her and she began to speak life into me, I think that God, flipped a switch in my mind that that I began to think that education was possible for me it was, it was one of those things where I always wanted to go to college I, I knew somebody had told me it was important to go to college <laughs> I didn't really like know anybody that went to college other than teachers and stuff mm-hmm. you know but like no one in my family had ever went to college didn't know the path to education at all. But um, I, I think even at 19, I began to see, like, man, that's important and I would love to do that someday. But it was such a far distant reality for me that, you know, it didn't happen for years. Um, so when God really began to like call me into ministry, the first big hurdle for me was just feeling that I was um, disqualified so i was saved i was secure in the fact that i i was going to slide in the back door of heaven sit on the bench and i would just get to observe all of the really good christians that had oh. made all the really good choices and um that that i was lucky to just get to be there at all but that i didn't see a a path for me to be like um a part of god's plan here oh. on earth that there wasn't like a lot of purpose for me that i would just I would make it into heaven, and that was all I would ever get to have. And um, God again sent people that um, that just spoke life into me, and just said, "Like you have a story that needs to be heard, and you need to you need to tell people where you've been and what God's brought you through." Um, and so, as a part of that, I I was able to get into those recovery ministries, and um, a youth pastor he actually got a hold of me, and he was just like there's a group of teenagers that I want you to work with. And he's like, I've got volunteers that are really good with like the good church kids. But we had this kind of crazy group of youth that were coming every Wednesday and they were coming every Sunday. But, um, there wasn't a whole lot of people to speak into them directly. Um, and you know how teenagers are. Like if you're not relevant, you know, then you can't talk to me at all. And so um, he was like, I think you're the perfect person to work with them. And um, and they were buck wild. I mean, I, I was the perfect person to talk to them, really. But anyway, so I, I think that God just sent people to say like, like you do have a place, you do have a purpose here. Um, and specifically for me, um I went through this season of prayer where I was like, okay, God, I'm giving you my whole life. And there is this big, dark, ugly blot that exists on my life. And I want you to take that and I want you to use it for your glory. I don't know how you're going to do that. But like, if I'm giving you all of me, then this is a big piece of me. And it's, it's where I've come from. It's what you pulled me from. Take even that and use it for your glory. And so I started praying that direction. And that's when God started opening doors for me to go back into the things that he pulled me from. Homelessness, poverty, addiction, go back Mm -hmm. and tell them there's a way out, there's a path out. And so, um, so I did and um, started that recovery ministry. And man, it's just been on ever since like, um, but I never felt like I was like qualified or enough or I was the right person. Um, and God has just continued to show me over and over, you know, you're, you may not be the right person, but I'm the right person. And I choose you, Spring Hunter. <laughs> I choose you. Um, and that's just like God. He chooses like fishermen and tax collectors and, you know, people that don't have much of a name behind them to go do the things that He's called you to do, the most unlikely people. Um, and He sure will use it every time. And so, um, that wasn't a one and done for me. Um, every time God calls me to the next level, whatever that is, <laughs> we go through this whole process all mm-hmm. over again. I'm not enough. I'm not the right person. I don't have the right background. They're going to see me as a fraud. Um, and and some of that I felt like God has said, well, then then do what you can. Go get an education. So I did go to college, and I studied rehabilitation science and addiction and social services, and I got an education. You know, still don't feel like I'm enough, you know? Like, still don't feel, like, qualified to take on the problems of the world by any means. Um, but, you know, I feel like God is calling us to, like, come to Him with an excellent offering. Do yeah. your part. But He's the one that's going to carry it, you know? So, um, yeah, so
0: much of the time, it's just simply... Showing up, saying, "Okay, God, yeah. I'm here. Here I
1: am. I'm willing. I'm, I'm going. Willing.
0: What? Which direction? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, he's just looking for people that I think will just step out and and be courageous and and do the thing. You know, like he will equip you. If he's called you to it, he will equip you for it.
0: So, what's what's kind of on the horizon? You're looking at this." Shelter of some sorts to, to be determined and somewhere.
1: Yeah. So, um, we are just, um, at a really exciting and crazy juncture at the, at the ministry center. Um, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is calling us to do shelter, um, we, we actually have reached out to other organizations. We have tried to find a way not to do shelter and it keeps circling back. It's it's for us. We're mm-hmm. supposed to do this. And um, and our current location that we are in, um, we're not gonna get a permit in that location. We have an amazing downtown Central Conway location like right off of like walking distance restaurants and music and art and all of those things. And, um, and, and we're not gonna get a shelter in that building. Um, and yet we're called to do shelter. So we are literally in the process this very week of making an offer on seven acres that is very close to our current location and, and, you know, trying to partner with the churches that take care of us so well. And what does it look like to move the ship down the road and, and do this thing that God's called us to do and, um, and really do it to build a community. There is a shelter, but we're not only called to shelter. Um, and so to relocate the whole ministry to this parcel that that we can grow into for the next 20 years, 30 years, 50 mm-hmm. years and and that's our forever home. Um and so um again, like I said, I mean, I'm just we're getting called to this next level and so for me that has been am I the right person to lead this ministry into this next phase and God just continues to reinforce um that I I put you here. You didn't do anything to get yourself into this mess. <laughs> <laughs> and that you're still here so um so we're, we're doing it we're taking the step of faith awesome. and so what,
0: what's excited. the best way for someone to kind of get connected with you guys and jump in to one what of my favorite doing.
1: ways for people to get connected with us first is um is always just either come and take a tour of the facility or come and volunteer at our food pantry we have daytime hours and we have evening hours now um, and so come and just experience what God is doing. I've, I've heard um, volunteers over and over and over have have repeated this to me um, that what is happening at the Conway Ministry Center feels like what that thing that you experience when you go on short short term mission mm-hmm. trips to Central America or China or or fill in the blank, that that exciting I am a part of sharing the gospel. I'm a part of making an impact globally. That same feeling that you feel on that short term mission trip is the exact same thing that you feel in Conway, Arkansas at the <laughs> Ministry Center. They're just like it's amazing. I didn't know I could feel like I was on mission. Mm-hmm here in my hometown, in my own backyard. And so I always say like, I don't need to sell you on the ministry center if you come serve a couple of times. You're gonna fall in love with Jesus in a new way, all over again by, by coming and serving. So come and serve. You can go to conwayministrycenter.org. And um, there's a path to sign up to volunteer there. We have other volunteer opportunities. Um, if, if you're not a people person, you don't have to be out shaking hands and praying over people. <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff you can do mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Um, but I would always start with our website, or you can email me personally. If you feel like you have um, like a specific calling to work with a specific group of people, I would say email me at spring at ministrycenter.org. Um, and and we can talk through opportunities and then kind of get people connected that way. It's my favorite way to get people connected. <laughs> Come and see.
0: Well, Spring, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Thank you for just staying committed and, and chasing after your God-given dream.
1: Well, I'm, I am privileged to be here and share and encourage people. Man, if God's calling you to it, do it. Got
0: your back. Thank you for joining us on the Every Arkansan Podcast. Let us know if there's a topic you'd like to learn more about so that we can help you chase after your God-given dream. In the meantime, you can like, subscribe, and share this on social media. Check with us next week for another inspiring story of our kids
1: chasing their dreams.